Welcome to Podcast 1017. This podcast will feature interviews with Drew's professionals who are experts in their fields and who will share their experiences and success stories. We hope the podcast will allow you to not only learn about various industries, but also inspires you to achieve your own version of greatness. Network 1017 knows the importance of a strong network and have made it our mission to provide you opportunities to build professional networks and to cultivate success within our community. This episode is brought to you by the generous donations of our sponsors, Joe and Renda Ghazal, Dr. Malik and Dr. Rana Najjar, Nabil and Dad Al-Mashtoub, Wael and Diana Fayyad, Mike and Salam Aida. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Network 1017 podcast. And today I have the pleasure of introducing Ramsey and Ramona Daktur. They are both, one is a physician and the other one's a pediatrician. So Ramona is the pediatrician. Ramsey's the family physician, correct? Yeah, we're both physicians. Yeah. Okay, so both physicians, both working in the same business, and both are from Texas, correct? Yes. yes. Perfect. Okay, guys. So we're all really excited to have you on here because we actually have never had anybody who's medical based in um, on the podcast, actually. So we have a lot of questions to ask you. But before I even get started on asking anything about your careers, I actually really want to start by asking how did you guys meet, and <laughs> where did you meet, and then also most importantly. How'd you both end up in Texas? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, who wants to go? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we actually met at the uh, Miami convention in 2011. Uh, we had kind of been talking a little bit earlier before that. We were um, introduced through a family friend, uh, Munir uh, Zainaldin, mm. and we, we met in July 2011 at the convention. And we're engaged in November 2011. <laughs> Pretty fast. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but we're both from Texas. So uh, Rem- Ramsey's from near Austin called Round Rock. And I grew up in Beaumont, Texas. So, um, And so we were both, uh, I was in residency at the time. And he had just graduated from, uh, he just had become a family yeah. doctor from residency. And so he was working near Austin. And, uh, and yeah, we just... Uh, met and got married <laughs> and then we joined practices so we decided to uh to work together and we opened up our own practice in beaumont um uh so we decided to come here because we had the opportunity to build our own practice and uh, my dad was a physician here already and he had a practice going and he was going to start to slow down so we just kind of came in and uh and made it our own so yeah wow so you both own practices yourselves and then you just combined you decided you wanted to work together so no, we never, we were always working for somebody. So I was yeah. working, um, I was working at Texas Children's Hospital. I graduated from mm-hmm. Baylor College of Medicine, Texas Children's, and I uh, joined them for faculty. Right. Uh, and then he was working in Austin. Yeah, I was working at Austin Diagnostic Clinic. Okay. We're both employed. So when we moved to Beaumont, we opened up our own practice together. Yeah, we were, we didn't want to yeah. work for anybody anymore. So we decided to open our own thing. So then what, uh, Were you afraid though? Because like, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, when married couples work together, chaos happens, this, 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 and people just have fears. Did you guys have fears? No, it's been great. We actually don't see a lot of each other, even though we're in the same practice, because we're both kind of, we have separate sort of areas that we work in. Uh, But it's great. We get to have lunch together every day. And uh, we have a little baby that comes and sees us. I mean, we have our, we have two boys. And so um, one of our boys comes up at lunch, the little one, he's 15 months old. So uh, my nanny comes and brings him up. And so we all have lunch together every day. 
Um, so it's great. We, and then if we ever have questions about patients, we want to bounce back ideas, you know, we have yeah. each other. So it's, it's awesome. No, it's, it's worked really well so far. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been running this so, practice for? Since, uh, August, 2014. So five years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Five years. Oh, yeah. Five years. Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's been great. We've enjoyed it. What it's nice being your boss. Yes, that I agree with. Mm -hmm. I understand. What is the, um, why, why go into being a pediatrician? Like, what was that? Why do you? Oh, for me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I, so, I mean, I have to say, like, I, I love children and I, uh, you know, my dad, my dad was a pediatrician too. So I kind of grew up watching him and I loved, I loved the way he loved his job. Like I, he, families loved him. His patients loved him. Um, he just, you know, it looked like he was making a difference. And so, um, I knew I wanted to be a doctor and I think deep down I wanted to be a pediatrician, but I did want to like explore ideas. So when I went, we got into med school, I, I stayed open to everything, but it was pediatrics that I loved. I mean, I've always just had a connection with children. And I think, of course, my dad influenced me. I'm sure, you know, uh, yeah. I keep saying, no, I would have done it anyway, but no, he, he definitely influenced me. I mean, he, he was, uh, he was a great physician and I just, I loved the impact that he made on, on his patients and his families. And I love the idea of working with kids and their parents and, um, just educating. I think kids, they're just, there's so much you can teach and so much you yeah. can do to make a difference in kids. And so, um, not just by, by treating them as a physician, but also just educating them. And, uh, and there's just, there's so much that goes into being a pediatrician, uh, besides just treating them for illness, you know, preventative care. A lot of preventative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's uh that's beautiful because it really shows that you love your job and most importantly you want to make a difference yeah. in young kids' lives. So yeah. that's hard because sure. you don't find sometimes doctors that are super passionate. Some are just like kind of just doing the job, right? But yeah, it really shows that. No, you I think if you for you to become a doctor, you really have to love what you do. It's just right. it's a lot of it's a lot of work and a lot of effort to become one. So it's like by the time you get there, you better love what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or it's going to be a depressing life. Yeah, because it's a very hard job. It's not easy, you know, and so to, and also to run your own business at the same time, that's, it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. You're playing two different hats almost, you know, you're right, serving right. clients and then you're also having to take on a business, you know, development role. So, right. And we also, um, you know, my mom managed my dad's practice and so it was helpful. She has, you know, she's got the experience too. So she's still yeah. helping run our practice for sure. Like we wouldn't have been able to do it without both my parents at yeah. that point. It would have been really hard. We could have, but it would have been really yeah. hard. Right, right. So uh, we were just really lucky. So it sounds like yeah. a really beautiful family business. You guys seem to work really well together and complement each other. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it Definitely. is. It yeah. is. It is. It's great. So to be a family physician on your on so your husband so Ramsey so you're just a family your family physician. What made you? How did yes. how did you get into that role? Was it your parents were also doctors, or is just you figured that medical? No. No, I didn't. I didn't have any any doctors in my in my family. Um, I just, I just really like family medicine because uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different things you can do in family medicine. You can kind of tailor it to, uh, to, to our, however you want. Um, you know, you can see children all the way up to adults. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's never boring because there's, it's not the same things over and over. It's a lot of different things every, all the time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and also I get to spend a lot of time with my patients. I spend a lot of time with my patients and uh, just really you get to know them very well and just um you, you don't miss things because you're spending time with them and really uh you know it's just really uh impactful mm. so 
That's amazing. Yeah, so we, we actually like uh, a lot of our patients, we kind of share some of that. So yeah. I'll see like the little kids and if they have, and then like the parents and grandparents, a lot of times we'll see him. So it's like, we see yeah. all ages from newborn to geriatric. Or the, so. or the older teenagers, like yeah. especially the boys. Yeah, the ones boys. Turn 18. Yeah. yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we we see a lot of we see a lot of families like things of you know extended families right. like yeah. mothers, fathers, childrens, and then the grandparents are all in our practice. Yeah, like we'll see generations in one practice, which is yeah. really neat. So amazing. You really get to, you really kind of become attached to your to your patients. You get to know them. Yeah, That's so awesome. it's pretty. What would you say was the? Ooh, okay, well, let's start with this one. What would you say is your strengths, Ramona, and then your strengths, Ramsey, and how do you think that complemented each other really well when you joined practices? And then the weaknesses, okay. right? So like what, what were they that you found that it was like made such a beautiful business together? Well, I mean, I think we all, we both had a, um, like a goal and a dream. Like we both had a goal that we wanted to create the best practice we could possibly create to, um, to make, a a difference like to, to really help the people in our community it's a small town so we wanted to make sure that what we did was going to make a difference and was going to help people um and all and always like um and so i think our our strength both of us is that we had that goal we we shared a goal and mm -hmm. uh and uh and we went for it and so we always knew what we wanted and so I think if you, if you just stay on that track, then you, you know, you can achieve what you want to achieve. But, uh, but it, there's also always, there's always, you know, roadblocks that you have to hit and things that you, you know, you have to deal with. But um, I don't know, our weaknesses, uh, we all have weaknesses. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we help each other out. I mean, yeah. Like, I think we always yeah. like, um, uh, there's always things we ask each other. Like she's really good at rashes, for instance. And if, if I have a rash that, you know, is kind yeah. of befuddling me. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll go ask her and like you know, hypertension, like things that vice, I don't deal with. Yeah, yeah. Like right. things that I don't deal with a lot, like high blood pressure in a child or, you know, like, uh, obesity, which we see a lot of, but when it starts to get like more, uh, things that you see more in adulthood or diabetes that we're starting to see a lot in kids now, mm -hmm. I always go to him. I'm like, uh, okay. So like, yeah. you know, just for advice and stuff. So as far as medical, we compliment each other a lot. So things that I need probably that, you know, that I have questions about, he has the answers to and vice versa. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I was trying to think of whatever, what other uh, weaknesses we might have. But, uh, but also for both of us, I was gonna say just personality wise, like in times where I'm like really stressed out, I'll go to him and he'll like calm me down and, and vice versa. So that's true. there's always one that's calmer than the other that day, I feel like, <laughs> and so it, it works out pretty well. Yeah. Sometimes it can get really busy and chaotic. And so it's nice to have somebody that you know you could go back to and just like get away from and like and and mm -hmm. you know, tell them, hey, you need to you need to help calm me down a little bit or you know. Sounds like you guys have very good communication with each other, which is I'm I'm assuming is very, very important in your in just doing it in business doing working together in business and also working together yeah. in marriage as well. So it's very yeah. important in medicine in general. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So talk to me about what what tactics have you used in your practice? So let's just say someone out there, he's, he's a doctor coming out of college and he actually really wants to pursue this and actually open up his own, his own practice or her own practice. <coughs> what would you suggest to them as they're starting out um, from your experience? What would you, what would yeah. you give them going forward? Yeah. So I actually have, um, 
we actually do teach med students um, and nurse practitioners. So I have a medical student that comes from UTMB and sometimes other schools um, like year round now. So every two weeks I get a new med student. So I always have medical students rotating with me. And so, um, so you know, as far as like building your own practice, it's getting harder and harder to do that, yeah. I would say, and uh, in, in this day and age. So I, uh, most, most, most people that are coming out of uh, residency are just going to work for a big hospital or a big, uh, you know, organization. It's just, you know, unless you live in a really small town or a smaller town, it is really hard to build your own practice. So some people who have a mindset, like some of these students, have a mindset that they do want to open their own practice, but I feel like a lot of them already know where they're going. Like they'll, they know that they're going to go to a small town or, but if you're going to be in Houston or Dallas or whatever, it, it's going to be really hard unless you join a big practice. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, my advice too would be, um, you know, start in residency yeah. thinking about um, like even where you're going to open up your practice, if you're going to open it up and ju just start early because it, it's, I mean, it's time. you can't, you can't just graduate residency and think you're going to open up your practice in a couple of months. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of legwork that's involved and um, you, you can take courses in, in residency um, about, uh, you know, medical, medical business management. And like there's, there's a journal for family medicine called American Family Management. So okay. it talks to you all about, it's a journal just about the business side of, of it. And so you know, those were resources, but you gotta, you gotta start early. I mean, you gotta really start thinking about it, yeah. you, know, you know, like your second year residency, if, if you wow. really want to up your practice. So. I think for both, for both of us, I mean, we started off, when you get out of residency, you want to kind of get a job right away, right? You're probably in debt, you've, you mm -hmm. know, um, so you're going to get a, get a, and you'll, you'll get a job quickly, but uh, it is really common for physicians to kind of jump around those first few years that they come out of residency trying to figure out what they want to do. And so I think that's important for everybody. Like you're going to, they're going to figure it out, you know, once they get out and they start to work, um, if they, if they like what they're doing or if they don't like what they're doing. Um, but it is, it is, you know, it's, it's like any other job. You're going to have to figure out where you feel like you fit in, what city you fit in and what kind of practice do you want? Do you want to practice that's in a rural area or do you want it in an urban area you know it, it, and it's different things that you see depending on where you live so just kind of depends on what kind of doctor you are and what you want to do um well how do you guys feel so you said something important you said that that it's harder and harder as you know as time goes on to open up a practice because you have to open up in certain areas how do you feel about online uh people people working with doctors virtually because i've started to see that actually a lot yeah. of people have been bypassing the co-pays i guess you can say and mm -hmm. i've started seeing people actually getting talked to the doctors online about the problems they're having how do you feel about that having own your owning your own practice that people can come see you in person yeah i mean i, I think there's there's some limited uses to it like um for instance um I know psychiatrists do it it's, a lot. I think it's good for psychiatry. You know, because um, you don't necessarily have to Examine. really uh, lay hands on, on the patient at all. Um, you know, maybe for certain acute things like rashes and, um, uh, you know, colds and stuff like that may, may be okay. But, I mean, it's, you, you really have to be in the room with the patient and examining them um, in order to, to make a good diagnosis. So, um I know, yeah. for instance, my my cousin's uh, pediatrician in Washington D.C. Um, she does like two hours a couple of days a week after clinic to do like telemedicine, oh, 
oh, wow. um, just for like for cute things like like yeah. that rashes and colds and stuff like that um, because some you know parents can't can't, can't bring bring right. their children right. during the you know during the work hours and stuff like that so there's um there, there's some um there is benefit to it but there's also like legal pitfalls that you have to be aware of yeah. as well so, yeah you said you have a cousin in, in uh dc i live in dc mm. yeah yeah he, he he actually lives in in virginia now joey oh. Rasamney. Yeah. joey Rasamney, his wife linda Rasamney. Mm -mm, i don't know them yeah. that's cool that you live in my area that's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, that makes sense. It sounds like a lot of things, it's, it's not something that can really grow because you're limited to how much you can help your people virtually. Right, right, right. Yeah. I was always curious how that's going to move because they, they started making that transition. So I didn't quite understand. Yeah. It makes sense. You have to be there in person. So that's something that's hard. Yeah. It's, it's good yeah. for you because you always know you need to, you need a doctor. I mean, there, there's some, there's some um, professions where that kind of advancement in technology makes sense, but really in medicine, for no, primary care, it's hard. For, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, I, I don't think everything can be as a, advanced in that type of technology, uh, you know, uh, in medicine as, as you can with other professions. Yeah, you know, like, like all this virtual stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Just my opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't want to forget Joe's questions because he's going to kill me. So let me ask, uh, let me ask him. So he says, one, one of the first questions, I told you guys about this one before, he says, can you share with our listeners the importance of vaccines and the risks to individuals and public by declining, uh, and the risks to individuals and public by declining to, vaccine, to, declining to take vaccines? Yeah. So this is like one of my favorite topics to talk about in medicine. So I'm actually curious. Um, and I actually don't like vaccines. So I'm actually curious as to why they may be beneficial or why they, you know, just hearing your okay. opinion. Okay. Well, I'm going to start by saying that vaccines have been the single most, the the single best achievement in medical in medicine in right. all of um, like modern medicine right now. Save more lives it's, than anything, right? Uh, and so there with penicillin. Yeah. It's it's one of the greatest achievements we've ever we've ever done in in, in the history of medicine is vaccinations, and so. Um, and it's something that we constantly, I, I'm always educating patients about in, in the, um, in the office because yeah, I mean, especially parents who are coming and they're new parents and they're like, well, I want to know what you're injecting my kid with. I mean, you know, and they'll come in with all kinds of ideas and there's a lot of misinformation out on the internet. So it's really important that they, that what I advise people to do is always ask your physician any concerns or questions you have so that we can actually uh, tell you what the real truth is about vaccinations because there is a lot of stuff out there that can be really scary and it can kind of suck you in about vaccines. But um, basically what we're doing in, in the first year of life for these kids is we're giving them vaccines. So we're, um, you know, we're injecting them with either an inactivated form. Well, actually the first year of life, they're all inactivated forms of uh, viruses or types of bacteria that you inject into their uh, muscle. And what that does is it causes an immune response, right? Um, that allows you to create like memory uh, immune response so that if you actually did get the, get, get the virus or the bacteria to harm you, then your body will know instantly what to do and how to fight it off so you don't actually get infected. And so what we're trying to prevent kids from, from getting are things like meningitis and polio and whooping cough and diphtheria and, New, I mean, there's all kinds, the, the first few um, years of life, these were things that used to kill kids left and right, like 
yeah. before these vaccines were invented. I mean, kids were dying of meningitis. Even when I was young and my dad was a pediatrician, I remember him having kids die of meningitis before the vaccine came out or become, uh, become you know, uh, brain dead or mentally retarded because they don't have, uh, they didn't get the vaccine that they, that, you know, because those vaccines weren't out and they had already gotten meningitis, which is infection in your brain. Um, and so now we don't see that as much and it's still there. I mean, these, so the most common causes of meningitis in kids uh, under a year old is something called uh, pneumococcal. And then the other one is called Haemophilus influenza. These were the two most common causes of meningitis in children. And now we have vaccines that prevent you from getting those. And it's not like these, these bacteria aren't here. They are, the bacteria is here, but we have vaccines that prevent you from getting it. So by you not vaccinating, you carry the risk of, uh, you know, having your child or, or getting infected with, uh, with uh, this bacteria that can be really harmful and dangerous to these kids. And not only that, by not vaccinating, your kids, um, you're not only, you know, putting your own kids at risk, but you're putting others at risk. Kids that are, for instance, on chemotherapy or are immune suppressed or have cancer or some kind of autoimmune disease that you can't necessarily vaccinate them yet because their immune system just doesn't work. Um, or uh, for newborn babies who don't get the vaccines yet. Um, so you're putting all those kids at risk as well. Um, and so there's something, you know, we talk about herd immunity. Uh, what that means is the more you vaccinate people, you're also creating immunity for the people around you that haven't been vaccinated or who couldn't get vaccinated. And so the more we vaccinate, the you're, you know, you're also protecting your community, you know, those that are at high risk of getting this bacteria or this kind of virus that can uh, that they can't get a vaccine for yeah. for one for one reason or another. And you have to you have to vaccinate to a certain level too, like with herd immunity. So um, you know to reach herd immunity so that the whole population, um, even the ones who can't uh, get the vaccine are, are safe, you have, to, you have to vaccinate around 90% of the population. So um, yeah. that's why you see in some places um, where uh, the vaccination rates for measles has dropped to like 50, 60, 70%, there's, there's big outbreaks over there um, because they, they haven't reached that critical level yet. And I think that's something that the younger generation doesn't understand because we haven't seen those diseases like polio um, and, and big measles outbreaks and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just, it's out just there. 50, yeah. 50, 60 years ago, there were, you know, people dying by the thousands of those, you know, yeah. everywhere. And still so. people are dying. I mean, still hundreds of thousands of kids die of measles every year worldwide. So it's not like the stuff isn't here. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands. I mean, that's how many kids are dying of, stuff, of, of, of preventable diseases. These are vaccine preventable yeah. diseases. So there should be really no, absolutely no reason not to vaccinate unless you have obviously like some kind of autoimmune, something that doesn't allow you to get vaccinated or, you know, you're immune compromised or, you know, some kind of medical reason. But otherwise, if you're a healthy kid and you're, you know, born full term and no complications, you need, you, you everybody should be vaccinated. There isn't a reason not to vaccinate. Right, right. And, and so, so, okay, quick question. And then, for example, I've always been vaccinated, right? But does it affect the body in any way, right? Does it, does it, is there symptoms to it when a kid gets vaccinated? Is, yeah. I know it protects them, right? But does it, right, right. So, like body? any, right. And like any injection or, you know, th there's going to be mild side effects for sure. Um, and so that was, but transient. Yeah, transient. So there's more, there, they're, they're, these are the more common, let's say the more common side effects. They, they don't always happen, but they can happen. So what I mean by mild is maybe some 
um, irritation or some redness around the area of injection. Sometimes they can get a little fever, sometimes um, a little fussiness afterwards. Uh, but all this stuff, like he said, is transient and it's usually gone by the next day. So for instance, my kids, I have two boys. My first one, every time I vaccinated him for his two, four and six months, he had fever all the time, like every time. And I knew it was coming, but by the next day he was fine. And it, to me, it was, I actually, uh, I mean, not like enjoy that he had fever, but I, I, I wasn't, I was okay with it because I knew his body was working to prevent him, you know, was working because whatever your immune response is, um, is, uh, is, uh, activated, you know, things that are part of your immune system is fever. So I knew that his immune system was responding to the vaccine. So for me, I was okay with it. And that's what I tell parents, you know, and most parents understand that like if your kid has fever, it's okay. That's your body. That's your kid's way of fighting. Um, you know, of creating an immune response to these vaccines. So that's a good thing, you know? Um, and so yep. those are the main side effects. And then of course, the more severe yeah. ones would be something like an allergic reaction or we call it anaphylaxis. Mm. Um, really rare, but it can happen like any medication that you give. You right. could think of vaccines like a medicine. So of course you could have some kind of allergic, but it's very, very rare that that happens. Or, or something called Guillain-Barre, but that's also very, very rare too. That's like the what is that? Kind yeah. of like a, a, a paralysis, but that's very, very rare. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's mostly it's transient as well. So yeah. I mean, there's things that can happen, but those are very, 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 very rare for that to happen. So it sounds like the vaccines are actually really beneficial to people. That it's not really causing any major side effects afterwards. Right. right. So I mean, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be like as a pediatrician, I wouldn't be giving my patients, anything that I wouldn't give my own kids. Right. And right. so I wouldn't, and we're pediatricians, right. We're here to protect children. Right. So, uh, we wouldn't be vaccinated if we didn't believe in them and we didn't, you know, if we knew that they were going to make a difference and protect these kids and we all want what's best for our kids. We all want them protected. Right. And so honestly, this is, and I always tell parents and like reassure them, this is the best thing you could do for your child at right. this age. Um, because it is so important. I mean, it, for kids who are not vaccinated, it, it's just so risky, so risky. And for what, for what reason? There's no reason. Right. Uh, they're really safe. And, and then I did, I did want to touch on one thing, cause this is always something that comes up. Um, and so one of the other, um, kind of, uh, questions I get from parents is, well, I heard they cause autism. Okay. Um, and I do want to talk about this because uh, I, there's also a lot of misinformation about this as well. And I cannot stress enough how, how vaccines, there is no causal relationship between vaccinations and autism. Absolutely. No, like they've done, we've done so many studies, probably we spent, I mean, we've spent billions of dollars on, on, um, on evidence-based medicine to show that vaccines do not cause autism, um, or to even try to find a link between vaccines and autism. And there is absolutely no link. So the reason why it came out that way is because there was a guy named Andrew Wakefield who had his license removed, uh, stripped because he falsified information in a study saying that they do cause autism because wow. of theory and the vaccines. Um, and since then we've, uh, but event, but that, that study got removed right away after we, they realized that it was all falsified information and he got his license removed, but this guy is still around and he still has plenty of followers, um, that think that like, you know, that there was some controversy, that some, uh, like the government was out to get him or, you know, that 
that they're trying to hide something. But, mm-hmm. uh, but in reality, the, the facts are there. And the, the fact is that vaccines don't cause autism. And what we do know about autism is, and this is why I, 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 I wish that we could like move on so we could try to figure out what is causing autism. So like we know some risk factors that cause autism. We know that it's a prenatal, that happens prenatally. We know that maternal and paternal age are risk factors. So the older your parents are, the more likely your kid could have autism. We know that there's a genetic factor to it. We know that it happens more in males than females. So we're learning things about it, but we obviously don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that are, that go into place to cause autism and we're still trying to figure it out, but it definitely is not vaccine. So I just always, you know, I want to just stress that and reassure families that there's no link between vaccines and autism. Um, and so, so I didn't even know people were linking that together. I always just thought people yeah. didn't vaccines because they were like, Oh, you're putting something in my body. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we are putting something in your body, but we're yeah. putting something in your body that will protect you. So, protect you know, you. and like, I, I will tell you and that you might, you might get anyways and yeah. you might as well get it get in it. the form of a vaccine or protect you. Yeah. And, and then the other concern I always get from parents is, well, why are you, why do we have to do them all at one time? Why am I, why is my kid getting five or six shots or four or five shots or whatever? Why, why does it have to be all at one time? Well, I will tell you that each vaccine is a single antigen. Okay. So like for the pneumococcal vaccine, which is the most common cause of meningitis, pneumonia, uh, it's one antigen. So when your body gets attacked by a cold or a virus, when you, when you have a cold, if you wake up with a cold, your body's being attacked by about 20 to 30 antigens. And your body can fight that off. Each vaccine is one antigen. So if I'm giving you five, four or five shots, it's like, uh, well, sometimes a shot has two or three antigens in it. But let's say like, uh, like the DTAP is as three and one, okay? Um, that's three antigens, okay? So at the most, you're getting about like, let's say six or seven antigens at the most. I mean, in a, in a child, and your, your body can fight that off. That's not, it's not anything that, that your body cannot, cannot fight. And again, these are, really inactivated forms of viruses and bacteria that your body can fight off. So, um, so I, I try to stress to parents that it's better to give them all at one time. The reason why we do this is so that we're protecting your child when they're most susceptible to these diseases. And so that's, it is at their two month and their four month and their six month and their one year. It's, it's, that's, we're protecting your child. That's the reason why we give it. And that's how the studies have been shown. And the reason we start them at two months is because their immune system is finally starting to mature and they can finally make a response to the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we have to wait until they're two months. So th- when I say that, that window of newborns, it's really important. The reason why we are vaccinated is to protect also those newborns that haven't been vaccinated yet because they can't be vaccinated yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea of, of and, and so it, there's really no reason to break them up or, and so, and also they've done studies, one shot versus five shots. It's the same stress level on the child in general. So your baby's going to cry either way. Right. Um, and your cortisol level, which is the stress hormone in your body, is going to go up the same amount. And so by you spacing them out and coming in every week to get a new shot, you're actually causing more stress on your child. Uh, not on not on like the body, but just the, on the stress of your child going through screaming and crying every time you get a shot. So it's better just to do them all at one time and knock them out. Right. Your oh, child will be okay. I also can you tell, stuff, so it's amazing. Can you tell that she's passionate about this? Yeah. I can tell you're getting bored, but I have to like. No, have no, to like I'm not bored. Let me tell you, I'm not bored. Any, anything that comes to the body, your health, I'm never bored about it. I just actually never knew about these stuff. Like I honestly, my, my, my thought process was like, well, let me just, you know, do it the old, like very old school way. Try to be holistic, not put anything in my body, even though I'm always getting my vaccines and I hate it, but I don't like, 
but I never really understood why I was always getting it. I was always just told by my pediatrician, just take it. It's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, and it's important to ask. It's really important to ask. I mean, this is your body. You want to know what you're getting. Right. And it's kind of weird to have things injected into. I mean, yeah, that's a legitimate, yeah, you know, concern. But that's why it just takes education know. and yeah. like reasons why we do this too. You know, right? When you're um, a kid and you're like young, and your mom's yeah. like, you get yeah. the vaccine. You know, yeah, and you're yeah. Like, okay, yeah. mom. <laughs> you yeah. But yeah. But I'll stop talking for a second. I, I did. We did want to focus on the HPV vaccine. I don't know if you've heard of the Gardasil vaccine. That's the one that prevents cervical cancers. Oh, wow. In all cancers, all our cancers, rectal cancers. And we did want to focus on that a little bit because that's a newer vaccine that's out. Well, um, so when did this vaccine come out? And um, is there, has there been any studies done about like success stories about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, called the Gardasil vaccine, by the way. Yeah. It, it's been. It, it's it's new, so it came out like in the early two thousands. Mm -hmm. um, came out about ten years ago. About yeah, ten fifteen years yeah. ago. Something like that. Oh, it's not recent. Um, yeah, it's our most recent one though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like it's the it's the only it's really the only vaccine out there that can actually. Oh, I lost uh, it. Yeah, because because HPV um, is uh, is the leading cause of cervical cancer in women. And to a lesser extent, some other types of cancers like oral cancers and guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, it's a vaccine that, you know, that, that has really helped like reduce, um, uh, reduce, reduce the rate of, of cervical cancers. They, they've had it in Australia for longer. And so they've done more studies on it. Um, why, why in Australia longer? It's just because they're more on top of it. In that country, yeah, yes, yes that's, I think that's correct. Yeah, I think usually the the countries with socialized medicine are a lot of times more on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, so um, for for instance, uh, the uh, the number of um, the number of HPV infect the HPV infection rate in like young uh, teenage girls has gone down about ninety percent. Um, and, and up to age 30 has gone gone down like uh, around 70% uh, in the US. Um, it's, HPV is something that you get from, from uh, close intimate contact or sexual contact. So um, it's, it's really prevalent. About 80% of people will have HPV on their body at some point in their lifetime. It's in the US, 80%. Yeah. And 10% um, of those guys will turn into cancer. Yeah. Oh and God. so um, most of the time your body just gets rid of it on its own, but you can't predict when it's going to actually, you know, cause cancer when it's not. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, it's really, it's really important um, that you get that vaccine when you're young, like you get as early as nine years old for girls, you know, before, before you, you reach puberty and everything. Um, it's more effective because at that point you're probably haven't been exposed to HPV. So, um, but yeah, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's like 99% effective as far as like um, protecting you against um, the, the, the strains of HPV that, that can cause cancer. So. Um, okay, so then and you said you have to take it as early as nine years old. I'm gonna ask my well, so, so typically we give it at their 11 year vaccines. Okay, so at 11 and 12, they require vaccines before they enter seventh grade. Okay. Um, and so we usually give it along with like they need their meningitis shot and their tetanus shot, for instance, mm -hmm. at that age. So we go ahead and add the HPV at that point. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, so it's just a time where, you know, and I, and it's not about like, you know, 
it's, it's what we like to focus on is that it's preventing cancer. Okay. It has nothing to do with how you get it. It's about how you want to prevent your child from getting it because, and we all, it's the reason why we get pap smears as women. So why do we get pap smears? Why do we go to our gynecologist? It's because we're looking for the changes in our cervical cells um, that can lead to cancer. And those cervical changes in the cells are caused by human papilloma virus. And the vaccine that you get prevents you from getting the strains of human papilloma virus that turn into cancer. And so, and it, it's so effective. It's so effective that even that is causing herd immunity. Wow. Uh, what we talked about earlier was, you know, the more you get back, the more people that are vaccinated, you're actually protecting your community as well, yeah. because those guys that are getting vaccinated aren't getting HPV. So there's less spreading of the disease. So, yeah. um, it's working really well, but we do a really poor job in the U S of, uh, vaccinating for HPV right. and under 50% are vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and so we really need to, and so I focus on my office a lot on education on this shot. I think there's just a lot of controversy. You're like, Oh, well, my kid will never have sex and blah, blah, blah. But it's not about that. You also never know it, You don't, your, your kid is eventually going to, whether you like it or not, your kid's eventually going to get married probably, you know, if not, you know, you never know, but it's, it's, you get it from contact. So, um, it, it's just, it's an easy way of preventing cancer. There's like no reason not to get it. It's safe. It's effective. It works so well. It's one of our most effective vaccines. So, right. So what is it called again? The Gardasil. Gardasil vaccine. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you should, you have up until 26 years of age to get it. Okay. Um, and the earlier you get it though, the better. So under 15 years of age, you only need to get two shots after 15, you need to get three. It's just the way our immune system is. So in, in kids, your immune system is a little bit more responsive. So you only need two vaccines at and that then, point. So just so parents, just so parents are going to probably be listening yeah. to this most likely. What are the top vaccines their children should be taking? So I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's the one you just said, right? Gardasil vaccine, mm -hmm. vaccine right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what else was the others that you mentioned? All of them. Yeah. Oh, all of them. I mean, most vaccines are state right. required to get yeah, them to yeah. go to school yeah, yeah. anyways, um, yeah. uh, like a meningitis shot to go to college. So, yeah. um, you know, like the, like some of them are, are more optional, like yeah. HPV is not required, but you still should, should get you should that. Get it, yeah. um, flu, you should still get your flu shot every year, even though, you know, there are some years where the flu shot is not great. It's not that effective. Mm -hmm. um, but, it's but, still but it still it still reduces it still reduces right. your risk of any and there's really no downside so I mean you might you might as well get it because you know there are a handful of cases each year of, of people who die flu and you just can't predict that so should should uh, so okay then then in that case when you take a vaccine right mm -hmm. do you have to take it again is it only one is it only one time only one time one time it's a, it's a, it depends on it depends the vaccine on the vaccine so, no. Uh, a lot of them uh, do a lot require boosters. Actually, all of them do. <laughs> now that I think about it, require what? I'm sorry, I can hear. All of them require boosters. We call them boosters. Oh, so boosters. you need another shot to boost your immunity. Mm. It's just the way our immune system is. The more your immune system is um, in contact with the the disease, mm -hmm. the stronger your immune system is. You build more cells that protect you, and so you want that kind of recurrent um, uh, contact with it. <laughs> so you're building immunity this way. So yeah, they all require a few vaccines. Oh, wow. like a few years. Okay. And then I wanted to ask you this question because I don't know if we did ask it, but uh, Joe said back to school, how to boost immunity, I guess it's through what you've just been talking about. Yeah. So flu vaccine. And I think, I think you wanted to focus on just really good hand hygiene and, you know, 
telling your, teaching your kids how to like cough in their arm, you know, cough in your, in your elbow. Don't cough in your hand. Always wash your hands. Um, just, you know, most of it is just really good hand hygiene. And if your kid is sick, don't send them to school. Like that's how disease spreads. We already have a flu outbreak here and it's not even flu. I mean, you know, I guess flu is around now, but, but yeah. How do parents protect themselves? I mean, like for me, like if my siblings are sick or my parents are sick, I'm always like all over them. Like I'm trying to help everybody, but then I would end up getting sick, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the worst thing, especially I'm, I'm assuming yeah. newborns, like it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, again- Same, it's, same thing. Yeah. I mean, the best thing to, the best thing to prevent, uh, like you're not gonna, like a cold, there's no vaccine for that. So you're, you're, you're gonna get colds, um, you know, if you're in close contact. So, so you gotta like, wash your hands really well and, you know, stay away from, you know, stay like three to six feet away from people who are coughing because it's spread through the cough yeah. droplets. But the, the best thing to prevent disease is, is or, or infectious disease or, or the vaccines. That's going to be your, your best line yeah. of defense. And then with but, colds and things like that, I mean, there's viruses, there's thousands of viruses, yeah. you know, everywhere. And so there, you can't like, prevent you're, it's okay. It's okay if your body gets sick every once in a while. It's okay because that's, but like your nat- body has ways of, of fighting. I mean, like, na- yeah, natural things to boost your immunity, like, like, uh, really like getting well rested, like, like, the more, the more stress your body's under, like it's going right. to affect your immune system. It's going to lower your immune system. So if you're not getting enough sleep, um, you know, that's going to put stress on your body. So um, exercise, yeah, drink so, lots of water, yeah. you know, just good health life, health lifestyle, like uh, choices, you know? Yeah. Is the best to do. Yeah. Well, I know we're almost time to end, but I always ask this question. It's my favorite question to ask everybody that gets on, on the show is what's, so I'm going to ask to both of you and you guys have to have separate, you don't have to have separate answers. I'm sure you, cause you work together, but uh, what's one truth you found to be true just for you on your journeys that you would like to share with the rest of us? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh-huh. What's one truth that you, um, you well, found true for you. Um, well, you know, I think, I think for like medicine and just, in just running a business in general, um, I think it's, I think it's just really important to like remain ethical and just, you know, like be honest. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, sometimes, sometimes in business, you know, there, there may be more, more ways to, to, to make money by kind of like skirting some some issues like that or but I, I think just remain ethical remain like you know remain yourself do something that you know you're going to be proud of at the end of the day and you're not gonna like have you're not gonna have regrets or second thoughts so and, and that's like important medicine too like um you know you just always like treat every treat every patient the same no matter you know no matter who, who the are, patient is um and just always just always have the you know, their best interests in mind. So just for, like, remaining, like remaining that. ethical. It's yeah. good answer. It's good answer. important thing in being, as being a doctor is being ethical and yeah. just really doing the research. And it sounds like you guys have, and that's why you're so passionate about what you do, which I love. Unfortunately, Thank I'm out of Texas. Wish I could use you guys. My family probably would yeah. to go to you guys, but yeah, maybe we'll open one. If you, ever, if you ever come to Beaumont for any reason at all, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> or in Texas for that matter. Thank you. Of course, guys, listen, it's been a pleasure. I'm really excited to post this episode up soon. Um, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions, especially coming from two medical doctors. I think this is going to be really 
really important for everyone to listen to because everyone has a pediatrician and not everyone knows if they're doing the right thing, right? Or getting the right stuff. So I really appreciate you guys for what you do. And on behalf of Network 1017, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for fun. having us. Thank you. Of course. All right. Till next time, guys. Stay tuned. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye. Take care.